as autumn wore into winter and the high tops were streaked with the first snows. The discomforts of practice in the dales began to make themselves felt, driving for hours with frozen feet, climbing to the high barns in biting winds which seared and flattened the wiry hill grass, the interminable stripping off in drafty buildings, and the washing of hands and chest in buckets of cold water using scrubbing soap and often a piece of sacking for a towel. I really found out the meaning of chapped hands. When there was a rush of work, my hands were never quite dry, and the little red fissures crept up almost to my elbows. This was when some small animal work came as a blessed relief. To step out of the rough, hard routine for a while, to walk into a warm dressing room instead of a cowhouse, and tackle something less formidable than a horse or a bull. And among all those comfortable drawing rooms, there was none so beguiling as Mrs. Pumphrey's. Mrs. Pumphrey was an elderly widow. Her late husband, a beer baron, whose breweries and pubs were scattered widely over the broad bosom of Yorkshire, had left her a vast fortune and a beautiful house on the outskirts of Darby. Here she lived with a large staff of servants, a gardener, a chauffeur, and Tricky Woo. Tricky Woo was a Pekingese and the apple of his mistress's eye. Standing now in the magnificent doorway, I furtively rubbed the toes of my shoes on the backs of my trousers and blew on my cold hands. I could almost see the deep armchair drawn close to the leaping flames, the tray of cocktail biscuits, the bottle of excellent sherry. Because of the sherry, I was always careful to time my visits for half an hour before lunch. A maid answered my ring, beaming on me as an honored guest, and led me to the room, crammed with expensive furniture and littered with glossy magazines and the latest novels. Mrs. Pumphrey, in the high-backed chair by the fire, put down her book with a cry of delight. Trick! Tricky! Here is your Uncle Harriet! And I had been made an uncle very early, and sensing the advantages of the relationship had made no objection. Tricky, as always, bounded from his cushion, leaped onto the back of a sofa and put his paws on my shoulders. He then licked my face thoroughly before retiring, exhausted. He was soon exhausted because he was given roughly twice the amount of food needed for a dog of his size, and it was the wrong kind of food. Oh, Mr. Harriet, Mrs. Pumphrey said, looking at her pet anxiously, I'm so glad you've come. Tricky has gone flop-bot again. It baffled me that the peak was always so pleased to see me. Any dog who could still like a man who grabbed him and squeezed his bottom hard every time they met had to have an incredibly forgiving nature. But Tricky never showed any resentment. In fact, he was an outstandingly equable little animal, bursting with intelligence, and I was genuinely attached to him. It was a pleasure to be his personal physician. Words of James Harriet from his collection of dog stories. Season four of All Creatures Great and Small will premiere Sunday, January 7th at 9 p.m. on WVIA-TV, and it is no surprise that artist Diane grant Trakowski will not be missing any one of the upcoming episodes. 
She is drawn to creatures great, horses most especially, and creatures small, pups of all kinds, for instance, and she has devoted her talents to capturing something of their spirit to share with us. Her work can be seen in different exhibitions right now in the Cider Painters of America International Show at Main Street Gallery in Kingston until December 28th, and in the Miniature Painters, Sculptors, Graver Society, Washington, D.C. Group Exhibition in Maryland. Diane made a visit to the WVIA studios with a number of her pieces and talked with us about her passion and how it began. I was always drawing and I always loved animals. So I just ended up always drawing animals. Uh, when my mom would go to town, she'd come home and she would bring me paper, crayons, pencils, anything to draw with, anything, watercolors. She would bring me all kind of coloring books. And I loved it. And I just couldn't wait for her to walk in that door because I knew she was going to bring me something that I could do artwork with. And you just never looked back. I have just always been drawing. My, my brain, that's how my brain works. I'm looking at something and it's like, we're driving down the road and there's clouds. They're beautiful clouds. That's an oil painting. I can't do that in oil. Oh no, this one's a watercolor painting. Oh, look at that pastel colors. That one, that cloud, those trees, the colors in there. I just have to do that in this particular medium. Or I say to my husband, stop the car. I have to take a picture. One of the first things happened to us when we were dating, we went places and I'd say, stop the car. And he'd say, what happened? What happened? And I said, seed pods. I got to get the seed pods. <laughs> I got to jump out of the car and I got to get them. And he's like, hmm, okay. I thought something like happened. I said, it did. I saw something I need. As you say, that's how you are. This is how I think. I dream about painting. I dream about photography. I wake up in the middle of the night. Sometimes I'm, oh, do I have to get up and write this poem down? I know it's not going to be there in the morning. And I get up and I write it down. Or I go and I sketch something out because I know that I'm not going to remember this in the morning. So I just, I get up and I do it. When you decided that your life would be this, would be art, did you study? Did you take classes? Yeah, I, I worked at RCA um, and I had a pretty good job there and I really liked it, but I wanted to better myself. So I decided to go to Luzerne County Community College. And at that time, the professors there were all working artists from like New York City. I mean, big time artists, uh, Bob Craig, George Schilling, uh, Susan Sponenberg, they're all big time artists that were really working in their field. And Andy Palancar. So these people really knew how to do what they did. And I saw how well they did it. And it was like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do it as well as I can. I want to know, I want to find out what can I be as an artist. And at this point, I think I've worked long enough in the oils and pastel and the watercolors and drawing and stuff and photography to be able to express what I do personally. And it doesn't always come out right, does it, or does it? No, it doesn't. But that is what teaches you. I mean, some of these little watercolors that I brought up today are the result of things that I have done that maybe they didn't work so well. And now I know what not to do. I know what to do. I know a watercolor is a matter of, of getting the right amount of pigment and the right amount of water onto the paper. And you have to use the right colors. If they're transparent, you need to use something that, that's transparent. You, if they're opaque, you're going to get a different result. If you mix opaques together or you mix transparent colors together, you get different depths of color. And that is what you learn kind of along the way. 
it's really a lot of experience and people will say to people who who do artistic things they'll say it's a gift well it could be a gift but i'll tell you what when i started using my whatever you call it a gift it didn't look like this so it's it's a lot more skill and a lot more practice no matter what you do in life i don't think you get really get the hang of it until you practice it until you study it until you really really look into it I was drawing a picture of my grandmother, who I've never met, and we only had like one picture of her at the time, and it was an old-fashioned picture, the brown pictures, and it was small. It was only a few inches big. And I'm drawing, thinking, oh, man, I'm never going to be able to get, I don't understand what this dress is at all. And I'm looking at it, and I'm looking, and all of a sudden, it's like I start seeing things because I kept looking into this photograph, and I started saying, wow, there's all kinds of lace in that dress, and you could barely see them in the photo. But when you start looking into it, you start seeing what's really there. Speaking of working with the photograph of your grandmother, you do portraits, but you also do portraits of animals, and you treat them with as much care. Yeah, I do animal portraits. I I don't know. There's just something about animals. I think they know something that we don't know. (laughs) I mean, animals can come up and they can comfort you. They, when people have a dog in their house, the dog comes over to them. And I mean, life just kind of melts. You know, you just kind of relax. I love horses too, but they're hard to get in the house, you know. But <laughs> While we're on the subject of horses, you did a special study with an officer and his horse. Officer Al that was in Wilkesbury. Uh, he posed that horse for me so many times. He got used to what I wanted. I would say from across the street, I'd, I'd be moving my hand a little bit forward, a little bit back, and he knew what I wanted, and he was just doing his job. He was just sitting there doing what he was supposed to be doing, watching out for the people and stuff. But I've done a, a show, a whole show, on the mounts of police officer and discovery that horses are about eight feet long, and when a police officer is sitting on a horse, he's about eight feet tall. So he really has a good view And one horse, one officer on horse, can do about the same thing as 10 officers on foot. It was a really good study, and I had a show at Pier Street Gallery with that that whole show. But it was really interesting, again, the things that you study and you look into. um, I learned a lot from from looking at the horse. And when the horse was, I loved when that horse was in Kirby Park. It was just so nice. It made everything so friendly. Everybody wants to go see the horse. What's the horse's name? How old is he? How long have you had him? What else does he do? And what did you pick up in terms of personality about the horse? The horse was on duty as well as the officer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This horse knew his job. He really knew his job. And I've seen him in all kinds of different situations. And when a car goes by and beeps the horn really loud, the horse just does his job. He does not waver one bit. I mean, I've seen this horse also do Civil War demonstrations. And when loud noises come around, or distractions, or a truck, or a van will come past him really close by. He just goes about his business because he knows what his job is. That horse is trained. That These horses, these mounted police officers, they really take care of these animals, and they're trained. In addition to the portraits of animals and your grandmother, you alluded to these watercolor landscapes. Water, you really have to learn how to handle watercolor. This new one that I did Winter solstice is, I think it's my favorite. I don't know. Um, my husband was born around this time of the year. His birthday is December 22nd. So winter solstice 
And I just did, um, I think I brought a portrait. There was a little dog there. That dog was born winter solstice willow, that little watercolor there. She has the watercolors framed and delivered already, but that's a print of it. And willow was born around winter solstice. Now let's turn back to the painting, Winter Solstice. Look at the colors and the shadows and the lovely, subtle quality of that. Yeah, and that has to do with some of the, the brand of paint that you use and the colors and the granulation. And it's, it's a wet-on-wet painting. You have to keep working it. Sometimes you have to work quickly. And when you feel confident about what you're doing, you can work quicker. It doesn't mean it's going to go fast and you can just sit down and do one in a hurry, but you can work with confidence. And that's, that's how I got my portraits done because I've been doing them for a long time now and I've developed um, a way that I want to do them. I can't paint like other people. I don't want to paint like other people. I want to bring out the character of this animal, almost like bringing out the soul of it. I mean, these animals, they know what you're thinking and I'd like to portray that for the owner's Something that people always tell me, I don't know why, but when I do a portrait, they often say, I put the portrait on the wall, I framed it, I hung it up, and why do the eyes follow me everywhere I go? I don't know, maybe your dog likes you. You see beyond, you see through. I'm seeing on the inside of the animal, and I, I want to portray that. I want people to know, I want, I want them to see the beauty. When they look at my work, I don't want them just to look at what's there. I want them to see into it. And when they stand in front of my work and they're looking at it, I know they're seeing more than the surface that I painted on. A picture, a photograph may bring out a surface likeness, but with a painting, I can do things. I can add something that's beneath that nobody's going to see. I'm going to bring out that soul of that animal. And that's why I love to paint animals. I mean, I, I connect with them. I love them. I mean, they're so precious. I, I love people, but animals, like, they get you. We're going to talk now about movement, and one of the things is sailboats on Lake Nuangola. Yes. It's a still image, but there is a sense of the wind and the movement yes. of the water and the boats. Yes, that, that, was a, that was a nice moment for me. I was down there looking at the boats, watching them float across the water, and I watched them for a long time. And in my brain, I, I, in my mind, I, I sketched some things out. And this is what I came up with. I wanted to, to show how the wind, how the sail is being filled with the wind and how the people in the boat were managing the boat and they were leaning into it. So it's about the wind. This, this is about the wind. It's about carrying, carrying you. And when I, when I look at this painting, that, and it's a watercolor, I mean, it, the colors are very vibrant, and the water is very subtle, and the background is, is darker to kind of help them stand out. But when I look at it, it just makes me feel like I'm gliding along, and that is exactly what I wanted, because that's what the boats are doing. And you call this? Sailing the winds. Not only were we just then talking about movement, of course, and also modes of transportation, boats, Movement and modes of transportation are part of this photographic study that you've done. Tell us about this one. Well, I think that in life, there's always a good side to things. My husband and I were so much looking forward to going on the train from Pittston to Jimthorpe to see all the fall color trees and take nice pictures on the way. And it rained. <laughs> I don't know. So we're going down and I'm taking pictures from the train anyway. 
I'm just taking pictures because there has got to be something here for me because, you know, we planned this and we invested in it with our time and everything. And there has to be something here for me. So we're going down and I'm taking pictures and taking pictures. And we get there and it's still raining and everybody has umbrellas. So I'm thinking, okay, what are we doing in Jim Thorpe? What are we going to do? And I said, ah, I'm going to study umbrellas. So I'm studying umbrellas all day. Shapes, sizes, colors. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. I'm watching how do people respond in the rain. And at some point, I will incorporate what my, the pieces of things that I found down there. They're in my head and they will come out in my paintings. Maybe it's not a whole person. Maybe it's the way somebody walked or leaned or the color of an umbrella. It'll be there somewhere in my, one of my paintings. But I, I came home and I'm looking at my pictures and I came across this particular picture that I brought up to show you today, Erica, which I entered into the LCC alumni show. We'll see if it gets in and that will be in January. So I wanted to come home and look at my pictures and I came across this one. I was looking through them quick and I went, whoa, that one, that one did something in my brain. I don't know what that did. That picture's not focused. Why do I like that picture? And I really didn't know why I liked the picture and I moved on. I had to keep coming back to the picture. So I tried to get it ready to enter it into the Luzerne County Community Art Show. And I was asking my husband something about, what do you think of this picture? And meanwhile, I was moving it around on the, the page and I created this double image. And he said, I like it just the way it is. I said, no, I mean this. He says, no, I like it the way it is. So I said, okay, well, all right. So this, this print is called On Track. And I'm not sure what I love about it, but it's, it's motion, it's moving. I mean, I, every time I look at it, I feel like I'm moving. But yet there's a stable part of the train here that really stabilizes the whole thing. And also there are lines, the tracks that are not parallel. We know how perspective works. It looks like they're going off and that they will meet sometime. Yes, Erica, very good. See, that's, I love you. You're so artistic. You always see things and they will, they will meet. It, it's very interesting how this came out. I was actually trying to shoot the signal light. I was going to give myself a goal of trying to shoot the signal lights. So I kept trying to catch them trying to catch the signal light and it's there but I couldn't even tell what it was when I came home it's just the tracks were the ones so this one is called on track so I think it's a I think it's a photograph that people are going to stand there and say hmm can't figure this one out because I do a lot of work with sound I sort of hear sound I can hear the train too Erica I didn't think anybody else would see that I told my husband last night I said I think I heard the train I said the same thing because you, you know that you know that it's the perspective from the car. You know that you're in the train and you know that you're moving and it was raining, so everything is wet. So I think somehow that that kind of made things blur a little more. And then the window, I I was fascinated with this particular photograph because the window is wet on the train. If you really look close you can see a little bit of the the actual suggestions of the window, but I tried to get the camera to focus out there so that it would just focus on what I was trying to shoot, which didn't come out <laughs> that way. But there was something else there for me to see, and now everybody can see it. Where can we see it? Your work is out among us now. I just had several little shows, different places. Penn State, I had a show at Abide Coffee House, and that was a pop-up shop. And Wyoming Bay Art League, 
Also, if you happen to be in Maryland, North Bethesda, I have worked there until January, from now to January. It's the Miniature Painter Sculptors Graver Society of Washington, D.C., and it's at the Strathmore Mansion. So that is one miniature show. And then another miniature show that is local that most people can go to is on Pierce Street. It's the Cider Painters of America, and that is an international show also, and there's all kinds of paintings there. I have five paintings in that show, and the people that enter that show are from all over the world as well as local. So you really get a variety of that, and that is at the Main Street Gallery, 370 Pierce Street in Kingston. It's through December 28th. You work in a miniature way. You work yeah. at different scales. Yeah, I do. Yeah. The miniature paintings that I do are anywhere from 3 by 3 inches to 3 by 5 or sometimes 5 by 5 I have done them 1 by 1 inch complete horse rider and put gold on their hoofs, gold, gold paint on their hoofs and silver paint on the other one, and that's really tiny. <laughs> I prefer to work at least 3 by 3 there is some wood burning that you do? Yeah, I started wood burning, and my friend cut this wood for me, and I don't like to waste things, so then I can create things out of things. I'm an artist, so I can create. So we cut the wood burning things, format it to five by seven, so the people can commission me to do a five by seven portrait wood burning if they want. But we had some pieces that were, they're not extra because wood's expensive. So I, I said, I'll take the scraps and we sanded them down and they're all finished. They're all sanded finished. And I took it home and I made a lamp post. This is one of the Wilkesbury lamps in town. It's a street light with the wreath and the ribbon on it. It looks like something out of the time of Charles Dickens. I thought the same thing. When, as soon as you started saying, I thought the same kind of thing. And when I was at a Bide Coffee House, when I had my pop-up shop there, I had a little bit of time in between when people came in and I was sitting, I love a Bide Coffee House. You can sit there and watch the people walk. Little snowflakes came the one day, it was so pretty. And now it's all decorated for Christmas. So I was sitting there and I pulled my sketchbook out and I thought, well, I'm going to study the streetlights because last night I had some questions about what I really wanted to do. So now I know even more about the way that the tops of the lamps, the wrought iron twist and stuff. So now when I do my next one, I'm also going to incorporate that. But I, I think they're so pretty and I think we should appreciate what the town does for people. I mean, I remember going to town with my mom on the bus as a little girl, a little girl and sitting there and, and getting up on her lap so I can see the rest of the Christmas lights before we left town. I mean, charming little memories, and now they still have Christmas lights on the square. There's still a Christmas tree there, and it's just beautiful. And there aren't a lot of department stores, but there are a lot of things to do in town. Wyoming Valley Art League has things. Uh, Marquis has things. Abide Coffee House has things. And there's a lot of, lot of things going on in Wilkes-Barre that, that are for people. Artist Diane Grant Tchaikovsky speaking with us about her work in the Cider Painters of America International Show. You can find her work at the Main Street Gallery in Kingston on Pierce Street, and that runs until December 28th. Also in the Miniature Painters, Sculptors, Gravers Society, Washington, D.C. group, it is the 90th anniversary exhibition of that group. And that will run through January 13th at the Strathmore Mansion in Bethesda, Maryland. And for more information, mpsgs.org, mpsgs.org. And you can actually see Diane's work on the website. For more information on the web, dianeshorses.com, dianeshorses.com. 
www.cbsnews.com. And she is Diane Grant Chakowsky, and it's C Z A J K O W S K I. Cider Painters of America International Show, Main Street Gallery, Pierce Street in Kingston until December 28th, and the Miniature Painters, Sculptors, Gravers Society of Washington, D.C. through January 13th. For more information on the web, dianeshorses.com, dianeshorses.com. 